Y'all, welcome to Fresh Life Church. Good morning. My name is Kyle Heineke. I'm a campus pastor in Portland, Oregon. So fired up to be here with you today. It's going to be an amazing Sunday. If you're joining us online or you're one of our locations, so psyched to have you in church today. I believe that God has something for you today as we open up his word. And also, I just want to take a second and thank Pastor Levi and Jenny for this opportunity. It means so much to me, but also just for Fresh Life, for this church, for how they've led and built and sacrificed for this church and led my family and taught me so much. I mean, we don't have enough time to thank the Luscos for all that they've deposited in all of us. So let us hear it for the Lusco family, every single one of them. So awesome. All right, guys. Well, uh, you guys can grab a seat. Thank you, worship teams. Love you. So amazing. Man, I'm really looking forward to getting into God's word with you today. Uh, You can make your way to Matthew chapter 5. Hey, if you don't have a Bible, don't even worry about it. We've got the verses for you. It's okay. Uh, We're going to be reading through the New King James Version. We're going to have them up on the screen. So no problem if you didn't bring one. But go ahead and make your way there. we got some time, so take your time. If you're like in Deuteronomy, you've got a long ways to go to get to Matthew. you got all the time in the world. But what, what we're going to be talking about today and what I'm so excited to share with you is, is hopefully this understanding that a lot of what we think and a lot of how we react to the things of this world come from a place maybe rooted in misunderstanding. And it's my goal and it's my desire to let God's word speak to you on how to understand life. Like, how do you do being a Christian? Like, I don't even, I don't, I'm, maybe you're new here. Maybe you're new to the faith. Maybe you aren't even a believer yet. Hey, listen, at Fresh Life, you don't have to believe to belong, okay? So you're on a journey, so are all of us. And I hope today that you'll hear the voice of God in your spirit. I hope today that you'll feel a calling to renew your faith. I hope today that you'll have a deeper understanding of who God is and how much he loves you and what his plan is for your life. So, you know, when, uh, when, when we were going through pandemic life, 2020, uh, Portland was kind of on the news all the time. And uh, it, really, uh, it, it really challenged me as a pastor, to be honest with you. Like, it challenged me. Like, I didn't know. It was like, I've never figured out double dutch still to this day. But it's sort of like I never knew when to jump in and what to say and what not to say and, you know, all that. It's just, it's stressful, man. Like, it's just tough. And I think that a lot of that comes from this, this idea that there are circumstances that we face in life and if we don't have God's word as the foundation of our, our being, of who we are, we get lost. Man, we see things on social media. I should say this. I should do this. We see things on the news media. You better think this way or you ain't cool anymore. You used to be cool. You ain't cool no more unless you get it right according to the ways of the world. But, you know, God says something very peculiar in the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verse 8. He says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. So hopefully today, maybe we can be like, oh, here's some of God's ways. Oh, here's some of God's thoughts that I can like latch on to, that I can live out, that I can kind of go back and be like renewed by when I get lost or when I get confused. And so, you know, hey, there's this U2 song called Mysterious Ways. And that's what we titled this message, 
We titled this message Mysterious Ways because, hey, sometimes God's ways don't come naturally. They're not intuitive necessarily. It's not like you were born hardwired to understand God immediately. And so we're going to acknowledge that they're mysterious, but they're not impossible to understand. See, God reveals himself in two very unique ways. One is called general revelation. General revelation is like the sun, the moon, the stars, the mountains, the the northern lights, the human eye, the designer that's implied, right? That's general revelation. But God's word, the Holy Bible, that's called special revelation. That is a love letter written to you by him. And so it's sort of like, well, you know, God works in mysterious ways, right? We say that, we hear that, and sometimes I think we believe that that is the only way God works. But God worked very specifically right here. His word is, is right here, the living word. So sometimes we're like looking off into the horizon like, oh, man, what's God doing, man? He works in mysterious ways. And I feel like sometimes God is like, it's like, but I also work in very simple ways. If you seek me, you will find me. I wrote you this letter by my Holy Spirit over the course of thousands of years and protected it and guarded it. And now we've chaptered and versed it for you. And it's right here. It's on your phone. You can read God's word on the toilet. You know? Like, it's amazing that we have access at at that level. So, yes, God's ways are mysterious. But they're not impossible to understand. And you don't have to feel lost. See, when I became a Christian, it was 1997. I was a freshman in high school. I'm dating myself a little bit. But I would hear those things like God works in mysterious ways or like, well, you can't do it on your own. Like, that, that doesn't help me, just so you know. I, I understand, theologically, I don't have the ability to muster up all the strength to defeat sin. Fact. But I also don't understand then what to do. If it's not up to me, if I can't do it, then am I destined to battle this sin issue forever? How do I handle my temper? What happens when my parents divorce? What happens when I have a, a tough relationship with a person in school? How do I navigate that? How do I live that out? Well, God has written us a letter to show us his ways, though they aren't ours, to show us his thoughts, though they aren't our thoughts. He gave us Jesus Christ, his son, who we were just singing about. And his son, Jesus, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way, the pathway, following Jesus, doing what he does, like do his things, like be like Jesus. That's a great goal. Today, if you're like, if there's one thing I took away from church, it was I want to be more like Jesus, then baby, we won. Like that is the goal. We want you to be like Jesus because he's perfect. And he leads you to life. But it's interesting because if we're talking about God's ways, we also then have to contrast then what aren't God's ways. And scripture tells us what that is as well. Uh, We've got a verse here, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. It says, Satan, who is the God of this world, lowercase g, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news And so what that scripture means is that anything that isn't God's way is the enemy's way. Anything that isn't God's way is not the way of life. That seems to be a pretty profound thing to me. Because I kind of thought that like behavior sometimes could just be inert. 
But that's not what scripture says. It's either God's way or it's the enemy's way. Hopefully you found your way to Matthew 5. Uh, But like I said, we do have verses up for you. I'm gonna read now. We're gonna start in verse 33 and we're gonna go to the end of the chapter. So it's a long one, buckle up. Hopefully you brought a big lunch. All right, let's go on this together. I'm gonna read it out of the New King James Version, like I said. And it says, again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it's God's throne, nor by the earth, for it's his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. My kids can. (laughs) Nor shall you swear by your head. Like I said, I already covered that verse. Okay, going on, verse 37. But let your yes be yes and your no be no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you and from him, who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. I pray today that we'll be illuminated by it in our lives and in our hearts and that you would show us where we have fallen short and guide us into healing and a better and more pleasing life that you want for each of us. Thank you for what you're doing even now in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, so we're going to go back through those. There's sort of three sections of that scripture we just read. And in my Bible... Uh, The New King James Version titles each of those sections, and most scripture titles it. Like, uh, if you look in the ESV, it, like, boils that whole section into one word. But we're going a little bit OG, but not all. It's like 1984 OG, not like OOOG, okay? So uh, what what this uh, first section is titled for me in my Bible is Jesus Forbids Oaths. What? (laughs) Does anybody else feel like that's a little bit of a rando? Like, you can't even buy a Mountain Dew with a debit card without technically signing an oath. I mean, you're essentially saying, yeah, I'm good for it. I'm good for the $2.99. That's an oath, right? It's something that if you didn't pay, you you face consequences for. I got married. I made an oath. I I said a vow. I said, before God, I I will stay married to this person. And also, that became a legally binding thing as well. I signed a document. If I was in court which isn't very often, if, I, if I, I would put my hand on the Bible, my left hand, and my right hand, I would swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. I'd say that's 
an oath. So, well, pinky promises. Are those an oath? Like, what? Jesus, I'm confused. Maybe I'm the only one. But really, it's like, that is such an interesting thing. And I don't know too many sermons preached on don't use an oath. But the best way for you to understand what Jesus is talking about in this particular setting is that Jesus was talking to some Jewish people who knew Jewish law. It was tradition. They were steeped in it. That was their life. That was the universe that they existed in was Jewish law. And at the time, if you made an oath before God, I swear to God, like Jay Leno saying that this really happened, like I swear to God that happened. By the way, you know that that's false, right, when comedians do that. But in, in that time, if you swear to God, that's a legally binding thing. It's just as much good as ink on paper. And so Jesus is saying here, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Because if you break that oath, you bring dishonor, not only on yourself because you're a chump, but also onto the Lord. You're literally bringing God into your failure like that. And, and honestly, listen, God is holy. He is not to be mocked. This isn't something we should treat lightly. God does not get mocked by man. Okay, so this is like one of those like, hey, you know, like man up a little bit. Like stand up and, and be right, right before God. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. And it's like, hey, you know, I, I want to talk to you about not sinning. Well, I'm, I'm sure that not too many of us in this room are, are guilty of some of the more like uh, bombastic sins. But if you are, God loves you. God still forgives you. There's literally not a single sin that you could commit that God cannot forgive. But do understand that on a, like more of a, a level playing field, we've all been guilty of this. Fact? Like we've all said, yeah, for sure I'll get that to you on time. False, right? Oh yeah, I'll be there, I'll be there. I'll be there five minutes early. Wah, didn't do it, right? We've, we've all been guilty of that. We've been guilty of like manufacturing a narrative right? I want to be known by this way. I'm going to talk about somebody in this way to position them below me. I'm going to kind of figure my life out on my own. And this is the crux of this whole thing. Listen, we're here to teach you and, and for us to grow as well to learn to live by faith and not by sight. But when you use your words to manufacture your future, especially through deceit, you're actually living by sight and not by faith. And here's why. You're saying, I got to figure it out, Lord. I don't need you. I'm going I'm to talk the way I want. I'm going to tell the story the way I want. I'm going to make something work so that the outcome benefits me. And you could spend a whole lifetime building your future, building your life, building your whole family that way. And Jesus loves us so much to tell us that isn't the way. It's not full of life. Because at any point, let's say you got found out. What are you going to do? You could lose your house. You could lose your children. You could lose your job, your reputation. Your whole world could come to an end. And he doesn't want that for us. Not to mention we've dishonored God. We've brought him into that. And here we are to live as though God is, in, we, we know that God is in us. So then to live representative of that. That doesn't make any sense, right? If you're a liar and you call yourself a Christian, well, maybe you shouldn't lie so much, you know? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Be known by the things that you say. You don't need to promise something. You don't need to overpromise. You just need to say, hey, I'll be on time. And then you, you're on time. Hey, I'm going to do this thing. And then it happens. Or if you blow it, own it. Hey, man, I made a mistake. And whatever comes my way, whatever cost I have to pay for that, that's on me. And so then you're saying, 
all right, God, I trust you. You have a future for me. And I'm just gonna follow your way. I'm just gonna do what you called me to do, which is tell the truth. I screwed up, but I'm gonna trust that you'll figure it out because my life has to be your way. That's how we live as Christians. How do you do Christians? Live by faith, not by sight. All right, let's go to the second section in, uh, in, in all of that. And that is called, go the second mile. This is verse 38 to 42. Now, when you read this passage and we're talking about serving and everything, I think it's really easy to sort of gloss over this one. It's like, well, it's not that hard to understand. But this passage is not just about serving and sacrificing. This passage is actually about heavenly social justice. This is about letting heaven take control of the outcome. Again, walking by faith and not by sight. Have you ever been abused or like bullied before? I have. When I was like six, my very first nickname, and I'm hoping it won't take off again if I share it with you. It's like, okay, this is just between you and me. Don't tell anyone. Kyle, Kyle the cow pile was my very first nickname. Tell me you grew up in Montana without telling me you grew up in Montana, right? (laughs) It's kind of funny now, right? It's like, dang, pretty creative, those first graders. But um, another time that I recall being bullied, I was in 10th grade, and uh, we had set our backpacks in class and then gone to lunch with science class, and uh, went and had lunch, came back, went to biology class, continued to fail it, finished, and, uh, and then I went to put my backpack on, and these sharp pains kind of struck my shoulders, and what had happened over the course of the lunch break was some kids had taken about a dozen sewing needles and pushed them through the straps of my backpack. And when I put the backpack on, they all stuck into my shoulders and my chest and my back. And I was bleeding through my shirt. And of course I was hurt, and I was also like shocked. I did not see that one coming. I was also angry. I was super angry. And if you know me, uh, you know, I might be a small dude, but I'm a little feisty sometimes. It's like, you know, and so I found him. Uh, during gym class, we were playing soccer outside. I found him on the, on the pitch and uh, tripped him. And then I punched him in the mouth so hard his grandchildren felt it. And that felt good. You know, it felt good, like justice was served. But I honestly believe that as I'm reading this, the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, all those years ago, that wasn't the way I wanted you to handle that situation. And I do want to make a really important distinction right here. If you're living in a, in a situation in your life where you're a victim of abuse, your partner, verbal, physical, emotional abuse, maybe it's a child, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's an employer, listen, turning the other cheek does not mean getting out of that situation. You absolutely do deserve to be treated correctly. You are fearfully made. You are wonderfully made. God loves you. He cares for every hair on your head. So absolutely no, it's not okay to be treated that way. So listen up. If that is for you, get a hold of a pastor, get a hold of a close friend, get a hold of the authorities, get a hold of a counselor, get out of that situation. That's not the same thing as what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, hey, if you're gonna serve somebody and they're not nice to you, keep serving them and let justice happen God's way, not our way, but God's way. See, God is just, and he's holy. So he's going to know all those things that happen that are incorrect to you, and he's going to handle it. He's going to handle it perfectly. 
He's not gonna handle it with any emotion built in. He's not gonna have any regrets. And all of us that are judged by God, we're also not gonna be able to argue with it. We're gonna be like, yep, that's, that's right. And that's justice for sure. You've heard, uh, so verse 38, Jesus says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Jesus was referring to this Old Testament law found all throughout the Old Testament. Check it out. It was in Exodus 21, Leviticus 24, and Deuteronomy 19. So these guys that were listening to what he was saying, they totally got it. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. That law was called the law of retaliation. The fancy word is lex talionis. And what that means is essentially the punishment has to fit the crime. That's justice, right? You stole a pen, you shouldn't face life in prison, right? That's, that's justice. That's correct. Jesus is just saying, hey, even better than that, though, is to serve somebody. The highest form of justice is serving somebody that isn't always good to you. And that's the heart of Jesus on full display. The Bible says that no man was without sin. Psalm 14.3 says, there's no one who does good, not even one. Which doesn't mean you're as bad as you could be, right? But it does mean that we're not perfect. We're, you know, we're all equal. We're all equally sinners. And if we just said an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, in every situation that we face, we'd all, we'd all be toothless and we'd all be blind. You know? We're all guilty of sin before God. But Jesus models going the second mile in the face of being mistreated. Literally, as Jesus is hung on the cross, his final words, some of his final words are forgive them for they know not what they do. While they were in sin, us, you and me, Jesus came and died and paid the price, canceling the debt of our sin. So he definitely goes the second mile And that's what he's saying. When we serve somebody that we don't agree with, just like Jesus, we're not weaker. It doesn't make you less. It makes you stronger. How grateful are you that Jesus Christ went to the cross when we didn't deserve it, paid our debts, and made it possible for us to have a relationship with him and not to carry that baggage with us any longer. All right, let's go through the last section. This is verse 43 to 48. This section is called Love Your Enemies. Okay, Jesus contrasts love for your neighbor with something at this time which was very radically different. In, in verse 43, if you go back to that, it says, You've heard it said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But he's saying God's ways are actually to love your enemies, to bless them, to pray for them. Are you kidding me? That is not natural. That doesn't come easily for me. I don't know about you, but like, I get angry at a golf ball, <laughs> let alone somebody that, that is my enemy, right? It's like, <laughs> like, I can get angry. Like I said, I'm feisty, you know? But, but God's saying here, love them. The way of today's world, which is the enemy's ways, it says if you perceive some aggression or resistance from someone else, they're your enemy. Furthermore, destroy them in order to protect yourself. If you don't believe me, I can show you in writing. Um, in the Satanist Manifesto, <laughs> there are 11 precepts to live by if you want to live Satan's way. Now, I don't recommend that you go doing that, but I find it interesting that literally on their website, they say, hey, we're the group that says an eye for, or a, we don't turn the other cheek. 
we, we want to like resist that. So here's, here's some, two things that, that you can find in the Satanist manifesto that you don't need to go read. <laughs> if a guest in your lair annoys you, treat him cruelly and without mercy. High school. <laughs> High school sometimes does feel like a lair. Okay. <laughs> if someone bothers you, ask him to stop, and if he doesn't stop, destroy him. These are Satanist ways. If somebody resists you, if they annoy you, if they bother you, destroy them. Sound familiar? Destroy them. So there's a podcast I actually listened to a long time ago about this very thing. And what they were really baffled with was like the extreme that, that a Satanist would go to to destroy someone. So if, if, uh, if, if you stole my coat, my response as a Satanist would be to burn your house down with your family in it. That's destruction. That's the way of the enemy. I don't know. Do you watch the news in the last 365 days? That is definitely how we're treating our enemies. I don't care what side of whatever aisle or whatever you're on. We do that. We definitely teach that in social media, in news media. We say that's the way we should handle anyone that resists us. Don't, don't ever treat them right. Cancel them. Annihilate them. Destroy them. Finish them. Ruin them. And that's not God's way. I've been guilty of, of definitely not speaking honorably about somebody who has challenged me, who has, who has been not nice to me. And I feel convicted in this way by God. And here's what I know. Following God's ways, though they are higher and heavenly and godly, doesn't mean that they're easy and it won't necessarily be popular. It's not popular to do God's things and to live God's ways. I mean, this, the, Satan is called in this, in this study the God of this world. So anything that we're doing that's like God's ways, you're kind of like picking up a, a new life that's going to be a little bit more lonely sometimes. In math class, I keep referring to high school. Maybe I need a counselor. Um, in math class, <laughs> on the wall it said, standing for what's right sometimes means standing alone. I've never forgotten it. It's so true. I think we need to take a second and realize that though it's not popular, that's definitely what Jesus told us was going to happen. John 15, 18 through 19 says, If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you're of this world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Now, knowing that the world's going to hate us, shouldn't fill you with fear. It should actually fill you with peace because you're living God's way. You're living Jesus's way and he is with you at all times, all the way to the very end of the age. You will never, ever, ever be alone when you follow Jesus. And you know what? Maybe you lose a couple Instagram followers. But Jesus said, whoever gains the world but loses his own soul, like, that's not what you want, right? So, so our desire should first and foremost be for Jesus and to, to befriend and to follow him. And I get it, though. Man, you've been hurt. You've been marginalized. You've been judged not by the content of your character. You've been mis misrepresented. You, you've been hurt, and that hurt is real, and that hurt matters. But a lot of times I think what we think is we have to remedy that hurt with hate. But you cannot hate your enemies into loving your God. Say it a little louder for those in the back. You can't hate your enemies into loving your God. It doesn't work that way. 
You can only love somebody into change. God said that his love and his kindness is what leads us to repentance. He doesn't condemn you in order to, for you to know him and love him. He forgives you and he loves you and he calls you to repentance because he loves you, not because he's mad at you. Listen, he already paid the price of your sin. The debt you owed, canceled, done. Don't even have to worry about that. Now this is just a coming to Jesus and saying, I recognize now I've been living not, not the right way. I want to live your way. Forgive me, and I'm going to live that way. And when you forgive and love your enemies, you get closer to God, and so do they. The Bible says in Romans 2, 4, God's kindness. Oh, I already covered that. Hey, well, you know, it's so good, I'm going to read it again. God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. But I have also seen unforgiveness in my own family. And uh, maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you personally are dealing with unforgiveness. And you're drinking this poison that is hopefully going to make that person get sick. But really, it's all you. You know, like you're filled with, with anger and, and, and bitterness and hatred toward this situation. And it's not changing anybody else, but it is changing you. It's not making you any better. It's making you more bitter So the Bible instructs us then to go to our brother or sister or friend or or person in our community and admit, hey, that what you did, that hurt me. You sinned against me, but I forgive you. What do Christians do? We forgive. Why do we forgive? Because we were forgiven. That's the stuff that Christians do. So yeah, God's ways, they they are mysterious. They aren't natural. They're not logical. They're not easy. They're not popular. But we can admit that through our obedience, we position our lives to be marked by something supernatural, to be blessed in the best way possible. As we wrap up right now, it's my prayer that the Holy Spirit is pressing on areas in your life where you need to release. You need to take off the load that you're carrying of somebody else's failure to you or your own failure. That you need to ask for forgiveness and forgive Well, Jesus gave us very specific instructions here. This is Matthew 6, just a little bit further in this same section, verse 14 and 15. It says, forgive men their trespasses. Basically, forgive people for how they've hurt you. Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Forgive that person. Was it a family member? Was it a neighbor? Was it a boss? Was it an old friend? You don't even have contact anymore, but you're still carrying that in your stomach, in your soul, on your shoulders, just in you. Whatever it was, releasing that to God leads you to a greater relationship in him. Listen, you don't need to cancel a single person because Jesus Christ already canceled their sin. And so today, Let's let this moment be that time for you and for me where we look in the Holy Spirit illuminating parts of our lives, confess it, release it, and then we can go forward in a new life following him joyfully, happily, and full of power and grace. I wanna give us just a minute with our heads bowed and our eyes closed to to pray, to just settle our hearts and ask God personally to show you where you need to release, to where you you need to, to take off this burden that you've been carrying, to forgive that person. They may never know it, but to forgive them. 
I truly believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to each of us right now. If you're in the chat, I know you are not alone. Listen, the Bible says where two or more are gathered, Jesus is present. Well, I'm here, you're here, a bunch of believers around. You're not alone, even if you're in a room all by yourself online. If you're in one of our locations, you're not alone either. Jesus is in the midst right now. Where do we need to release? Where do we need to forgive? I'm gonna lead us in a prayer in just a moment, but if there's something in your life you, you're, you're hearing from the Lord that you need to forgive and you wanna slip up a hand and just say, hey, that's for me right there. I've been carrying something that I need to deal with right now at the foot of the cross and let Jesus's sacrifice cancel out the debt of that sin. Go ahead and slip your hand up for just a minute. If you're in the chat, you can just say yes. I'm gonna pray now over all of us. Father, thank you for revealing to us where we grieve your spirit. Thank you for helping us see where our unforgiveness is hurting us. I pray that each person hearing this message will accept your promise of justice and trust you in the way of their relationships. I pray that there will be a supernatural healing and freedom given by your grace for each of us in our pain. I pray that those who have sinned against us will come to know you as Savior and that they may experience your forgiveness and your freedom in the same radical way that we have in the name of Jesus Christ. With heads still bowed, eyes still closed. If you're watching online, we were instructed first forgive others and then God will forgive us. Well, this is the part where if you've walked into this room today or you clicked on a link and you joined us somehow, not sure where you stand, not sure what you believe, or maybe feeling like you are slipping away and you wanna change that. You wanna take a step today to follow Jesus and to say your ways are now gonna be my ways. I'm gonna walk with you knowing that you're not perfect, you're not gonna always get it right, but that the, your future is secure in him and who you are is secure in him. I wanna give you an opportunity to just confess that and to receive the free gift of salvation. Your sins will be wiped away clean forever. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. If that's you, you too can slip up a hand for just a moment and just let us know. If you'd like, if you'd like to receive Jesus by faith today, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. Say these words after me. And if you're in one of our locations, we're gonna be repeating that with you because we're in one house, one church, and one family. We're with you. You are not alone. Say this with me after me. Dear Lord, forgive me. Thank you for paying the price of my sin. I wanna follow you as Lord all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.